This Sunday we will look at the first eight verses and specifically focus on verse 3 in this section and uh, on the back of your bulletins I have the uh, reference that I want to go to in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 20. But we'll begin in Psalms here, chapter 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. This is God's word. Please join me in a prayer before I begin. Our Father, we come to you this morning. In your son's name, asking for these verses to um, be fresh upon our ears and that you would so work in our hearts for us to understand the full measure and weight of them according to your good purposes and for the glory of your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus's name We pray and trust this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So a little background on uh, this particular psalm. Uh, These verses were written and they were sung by the Jewish people during the time of Passover and uh, its celebration. And it's one of the few psalms that starts off and begins with a repeated negative uh, this, the negative statement is said twice. The psalmist is uh, doing this to emphasize a posture of humility and submission for, uh, for him and for, for us, for those that would be reading and singing this. And uh, then he transitions to praise and adoration out of that. Uh, to and and for the one who is worthy, who is faithful, who is steadfast in love. The words in this song focus on the one true, triune, sovereign, powerful, powerful beyond measure, and our only wise response is to yield and to worship Him. As a result of 
things happening in our lives, uh, things that we don't fully understand. It is important to remember verses in, in the Bible, songs that God has so worked for, for our benefit to remember that God is seated in the heavens and he has a perspective that we do not. He is not lacking in his view. He sees all and knows all, and we definitely do not. The writer of the psalm says twice, it is most certainly not us and not to us. And he makes it clear, crystal clear where honor is due. Immediately in this chapter, in this song, he is diverting attention to where it goes and focusing away from earthly things, from us. All glory is due to the only true God whose home is in heavens and his, whose home is in heaven. And from there, he does everything he wants. I want to ask you, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about someone getting to do everything that they want? Perhaps you're like me. Maybe you grew up with two brothers and uh, just one sister in your household. And you can recall telling your parents that it's not fair how your sister always gets to do whatever she wants. It can seem that way at times. Sometimes we feel that certain people are uh, getting everything or doing everything they want. But I promise you, no matter how spoiled or privileged a person might be, they cannot do everything that they want to do. Children here, I want to ask you this morning, have you ever wondered where God is and what he does there? These verses are a great reference for parents to be able to answer uh, that question that our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. How much of what God wants to do, does he get to do? All. Where does he do everything that he pleases? Everywhere. Who are the people that are under his authority? Everyone. I want to ask all of you now, Children included, a very important question. Do you believe this? Yes. Amen. Do you believe that our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases? Yes. If you believe this, then the second half of this chapter, please enjoy it. Read the following verses in Psalm 115. They are promises for you. However, if your honest answer is no, 
if your honest reply is that you cannot submit to the biblical truth that our triune God is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, that is, that he is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present, then I have a stern warning for you that the God that you worship has a lowercase g. That your God resembles these verses here of a idol, the work of human hands. A God that is in some way, some shape or form limited is a false God. It is a idol. And chapter 115 here in the book of Psalms has warnings. Today's modern church is producing people with empty hearts and empty heads who love a Jesus that they don't know very well. Many nations, many groups of people have rejected the one God, the one true God that is in Scripture. And they have made the terrible mistake of fashioning their own God that fits into their box of what they will choose to believe. Many who call themselves Christians have taken up the position that the God of the Bible isn't really the loving or fair God that they think that he should be. Acts chapter 10 that we've been looking at uh, says in verse 34 that God shows no partiality. For some people, they are not in agreement with that. Think, think for a moment about all of the various false religions out there that have fashioned and shaped a God that accepts multiple paths into his kingdom beside that of his only son. Think of their false gods, their fair gods that love everyone and accepts all forms of worship as long as that worship is done from the heart. Think about those. We live in a culture that wants to have its own version of truth. It wants to dictate truth. Instead, we know that the gospel is what dictates truth. In our society, they want a God who has nothing to do with war, nothing to do with famine, a God who doesn't have anything to do with natural disasters and certainly did not create hell nor sends any people to it. Perhaps you're here this morning and you know uh, some of your family that that fit into this category, some of your friends who, who maybe think that you are extreme. 
in your thinking, in your convictions that that you are one of those Christians that take the Bible too literally. That can sometimes surface, especially around the holidays. <clears throat> this, this can be common, this, this source of persecution um, that, that we can sometimes suffer from our very own loved ones. Perhaps even a spouse. You believe that God is fair, that He is involved in all things. You believe that He does all that He pleases, and you sing from your heart, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name. Give glory. Now, the theme of my sermon this morning is that God is not unfair. The, the, the real emphasis is that God is just. Uh, that is God's attribute that I want to focus on. But I wanted to title it that God is not unfair because people don't really use the word that uh, someone's not just, they pretty much focus on words like fairness, tolerance, uh, equality, th- those, those terms. So many people will sometimes say in some way, shape or form that they don't feel that the God that you believe in is fair. They, they would say that, you know, because of this, he's unfair. And if you've, um, never done a personal study on the attribute of God being just. I, I really encourage you to look at all of the passages in, Bible, in the Bible that uh, are God's own words about himself being full of justice. It will give you an increased ability to defend your faith and the God that you love and serve when Accusers lash out at you and, and, and bring you down and uh, accuse you of uh, serving a God that's unfair. And they'll claim it, the, the Bible unfairly says things that are wrong, um, that the, the Bible is incorrect if you believe that it talks negatively about homosexuality or if you talk negatively about abortion. Uh, the, the Bible is not correct if it says that. And if you believe that, you're not correct either. It says that the world says that um, your Bible says that God is jealous, that that he loved Jacob and hated Esau, that he predestines uh, who are his children and who are not, and this is unfair. I can assure you that all of what I mentioned about God is true with with the exception of that statement that God is not fair. 
or that God is unfair. He is, he is lovingly caring for us in telling us that homosexuality is a sin and abortion is a sin. And one of my favorite uh, examples or portions of scriptures that focuses on, on God and his fairness and his inability to be unjust or uh, intolerant or any other descriptive that the, the world might use to accuse our God of not being loving is Matthew chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn there with me. Uh, to me, this is an incredible parable that Jesus used to teach his disciples, and it is profitable for us today We ought to have a good understanding of it. And I don't want to assume that everyone here knows what a parable is. So um, I want to talk a little bit briefly to begin why Jesus used them. And for those of you who do know, just please bear with me as I give this explanation. Uh, parables, they vary from illustrations and, and stories and allegories that sometimes have a hidden meaning to them that Jesus wanted to keep uh, only for those who would have ears to hear. So Jesus had his reasons for hiding the meaning of things. And he said that uh, there would be uh, those who could receive them that they would have spiritual truths to them that were intended for a specific audience. And uh, that includes us today. 2,000 years later, we get to be recipients of, of these um, gems that are spiritual truths for us. So in Jesus' time and, and today, some who listen to these words, uh, they understand the spiritual significance and others do not understand and it, it is hidden to them. My prayer is that this parable in Matthew chapter 20 would be heard and understood by you all here and that the Lord would use me to accomplish this. So again, a, a parable is a uh, teaching tool. And Ellen, if you could pull that up for us, we can uh, kind of follow along here. Um, this earthly example that can be used to uh, help someone that is regenerated or saved better understand a spiritual truth. So in the parable of the, the laborers, or some of your translations might title it workers in the vineyard, the primary spiritual truth is that God is just or fair. Beginning in, in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. 
And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You, go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. He did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You, go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am not doing you, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I chose or I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. It's pretty straightforward what's going on in this story, but um, unpacking it and the spiritual truths and how, how they are to be understood in the context of all of Scripture is, is not pretty straightforward. It's pretty exhaustive. I, I, could, I, could, uh, I could go over this for several months. But I'm going to do my best to, to cover what I can today and the fall, next Sunday. Um, you can begin to imagine what's happening in this, in this vineyard. In the first few verses, there's clearly work to be done. And there's an owner who hires laborers to complete the work that needed done in the vineyard. Again, this is a, this is a common occurrence for the, for the listeners of who, who Jesus is uh, speaking to. We're told that they were hired at different times of the day, and some were told specifically what they were going to be paid, while others were only told that they would receive what is right or uh, fair. I won't be able to go into all the details, but I do want to uh, bring out and draw your attention to a couple of things. Uh, First being the timing So when it says 
uh, in the, in the um, first verse that the master went out, that was at 6 a.m. So that was the beginning of the day, 6 a.m. And then verse 3, uh, that, that references 9 a.m. So three hours later, and then three hours later, and then verse 5, uh, that's noon. Verse 6 is all the way until 5 p.m. And these time frames are important to know. It's also important to know the pay that's mentioned in verse 2. So denarius would have been the equivalent of a day's wages. So that, that's what they were going to be compensated. When we get to verse 8, we read that the payment was made at the end of the workday, which would have been 6 p.m. So they would have started at 6 a.m. They would have finished at 6 p.m. And every worker was paid the same amount regardless of what time they had started working. How many of you here are picturing what's happening with these workers and maybe thinking to yourself, well, that's not really fair. In today's culture, if this uh, was happening, the owner could expect some lawsuits. You can't pay people the same amount if they all worked different amounts of time, they would claim. That would be the accusation. But I imagine some of you are listening to this and thinking to yourselves, um, that owner can pay them whatever they've agreed to be paid. Uh, he's not doing anything wrong. The, the owner's fair. So again, this is a uh, earthly illustration and, and uh, the emphasis that I really want to get to is the spiritual truth that's, that's happening here. But it is important to, to uh, first talk about the, the application that, that we ought to make in, in, in terms of being content. So th- this, this does talk about um, not grumbling and, and, um, and being uh, happy with what the Lord has granted you. This is a good and virtuous thing. And um, just because somebody else is, is getting paid a, a different amount than, than what you do is not cause to, to raise the alarm and say, hey, this isn't fair. Young people listening, I, I do want you to draw from this and hopefully understand and set yourself up for less drama in the workplace um, by practicing the discipline of contentment early in your life. It's uh, surprising to me how many employees make the mistake of talking about how much they get paid to their coworkers and the amount of grumbling and dissatisfaction that comes from it. Verse, uh, beginning in verse 13 through 15, make it clear that there was nothing unfair going on and that the laborers were hired first. Um, they were actually in the wrong for assuming that they were going to get paid more. The vineyard owner was fair and it points out he was generous to, to all. Speaking of doing all that he pleased, 
I am pleased to transition to the spiritual truth in this parable. So could you bring up that first slide, Ellen, please? You can recall in verse 1 that this parable is to show Christians what the kingdom of heaven is like. To make this transition in understanding, I want to begin by saying that the kingdom of heaven is not full of vineyards. That's not the main takeaway that Jesus intends for you to know about the kingdom of heaven. Nor is the kingdom of heaven about what time you go to work or how many hours you work while you're in heaven making wine or something to do with vineyards. That is, that is not the emphasis that Jesus is wanting for us. But you can imagine that some people who did not have understanding, who did not have spiritual ears or eyes to understand, would have maybe made some kind of connection uh, in context of these words from Jesus. It's not far from the disciples trying to figure out Who's going to be seated next to Jesus in heaven? And there was kind of a pecking order going on. So they may have been trying to figure out, you know, what does all this mean? Well, Jesus is emphasizing in this portion of Scripture how generous God is. How generous God is with his grace. Why is he generous with his grace? It is because of his steadfast love. As as we are drawing from Psalm 115, his steadfast love, his faithfulness. The bottom line of of what, what is in view here is that God is just. This parable is about God and his ability to be perfectly just. And it's worth saying he is way more than fair. How has he been way more than fair? Well, in the life of a believer, he's given to us his son. He has saved us. He has blessed us and given to us his spirit He's abundantly been generous to us so much so that he is preparing a place for us to live forever with him. We we still do not know all of the riches that God has for us. And uh, to illustrate this, I wanted to picture on the stage here, if you can, picture some sort of massive scale, you know, and it's got, it's got the dish on this side and the dish on this side. Picture a massive scale that's up here and on one side of the scale, maybe it's a, maybe it's a bowl and it has all of these small pieces of paper that we've all taken time to write down all that God has done for us. In Christ Jesus, everything that God's favor and blessing has been to you and to you and to you and to me, all of that written on 
tiny pieces of paper and put on one side of the scale, this stage would not support it. It would collapse. It's massive. Again, it would take us forever. And fortunately, we will have forever to think and dwell and worship God for all of his grace. Our arms would fall off halfway through writing down everything that God has done for us and given to us and richly blessed us with. It's incredible. It, it's staggering. It's amazing to think about God's love and grace poured out as though we were a cup, just overflowing, pouring out over the sides. But do you want to know what's even more staggering than that? More incredible to think about? We still have the other side of this scale that you're picturing up here. Got God's side. And and this side over here is your side, my side. This is our side of the scale. And we're to put everything in there that we have done for God. I could make a huge pile of what I have not done. I could make a weighty pile of what I have not done to earn God's generosity and God's favor. If I were to write down on a tiny piece of paper what I bring to this equation, it would be blank. And I could not even put it into the dish. Brothers and sisters, children, We came into this world stained with sin and rebellion against God and our wages for what we have earned for our time laboring and working apart from the work of Christ. Our wages, what we've earned is death. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. The verse goes on to say, but The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen, right? Thanks be to God that his side of the scale is a gift for me. It's not dependent on what I can give on my side of the scale. I never could. I don't need to earn this gift. It's free. It has been made free to us because of Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is so very familiar with us, way more familiar with us than we even are of ourselves. I was thinking about 
how God is all-knowing and very, very familiar with what I bring to the table, what I have to offer. Um, I, I, again, am fully aware that Christ saved me in the midst of my uh, continual transgressions and rebellion against him. This week, I volunteered to do some uh, refereeing. And as I ran back and forth down the court, you know, trying to catch everything that happened, there were, there were things that I missed. That you can't see it all. You, you can't. There was one time I was very close to this girl that was going up for a layup. And, uh, and on the other side of the court, the whistle blew. And, you know, the other ref there called a foul. And I was right there. I saw, I saw the whole thing happen. Completely missed that her face got slapped. And, you know, he came over and asked her if she was okay. And, and I, I was like, how could I have missed that? We miss stuff. We do not hold accurate account of all that we say and do or all that we don't do or left, leave unsaid. Um, it, it, is, it is important for us to be as sober-minded as we can about our shortcomings because it makes God's grace that much bigger. And uh, I've heard it said uh, that if, if, uh, if you need help with this, an accurate assessment of, of how, how poorly we follow the Lord would be to put up on the projector screen here all of your thoughts and things done behind closed doors. Uh, and display that up here for everyone here to see. Some, some of us very short into that display would really want to get out of here. Um, we, are, we are not perfect and we need to be aware of that in the fullest sense. And that puts in view for us all of God's goodness and grace to us that he didn't keep us from breathing during the night and, and, and remove us. <clears throat> if you're here this morning and you are trying to earn God's grace, or maybe you're attempting to clean up your life first before you surrender to God it does not work like that. It never will. Not in God's kingdom. God's kingdom is such that he freely, freely gives to us the gift of salvation and eternal life. And we ought to take that up while it's still called today, if you have not. Come and talk to me or one of the elders, or if you need prayer, come and see us. God's grace is free, and you can never, ever earn it. There's still more to unpack 
in, in this amazing parable. And uh, if you're looking at the clock, um, I'm going to try and uh, wrap up here. These words that Jesus spoke uh, have also to do with assurance, assurance of our salvation. These uh, words in this parable are meant to remind us that our God is living and he is not limited to to some man-made mouth or or man-made hands or ears that do not hear or a nose that does not smell or hands that do not feel and feet that do not walk. Our God is unlimited and has no restrictions like those made with silver and gold. Just like the the vineyard owner picked who he hired, he saved you. Each one of you that has surrendered your life to Christ has been picked by the master. It's such an incredible portion of of Matthew's gospel. Normally, we would be able to cross-reference the other gospels, but um, you'll potentially be surprised to know that Matthew is the only Gospel, the only book that records this parable. And why is that, you might ask? I don't know. Our God is in the heaven and he does all that he pleases. This is only in one of the books and it's a really good one. Uh, Leading up to next Sunday, uh, I encourage you to uh, maybe look at the parable of the sower. This is another uh, great parable. It is in the other gospels that you can read up on. And, and look on, it emphasizes God's sovereign rule over saving those that he's chose and elected. And we can have, again, tremendous encouragement in assurance of, of our, our salvation and the finished work of God. So please do some studying uh, yourself in preparation for, for next Sunday. Um, be throughout the week preaching the gospel to ourselves, we all need to be reminded that Jesus paid for all of our past, all of our present, all of our future sins. All of it's been paid for, even, even uh, denying Christ. Uh, it wasn't long ago that one of my children asked me, if, if you say that, if you tell somebody that you don't believe that Jesus died for your sins, but, but you still in your heart, you do believe it. Uh, are, are you still saved? It was, it was so tenderhearted of, of, um, in their question. And I was able to remind them of Peter. You know, our brother Peter, he denied and lied about Jesus three times. And, and uh, God was so tender and, and, um, and gracious. And so even, even times of distance and seasons and chapters where we in our lives uh, are, are, are far off from God, distant from his word, maybe at arm's length <clears throat> with um, 
our brothers and sisters. God is faithful and he is uh, quick to draw us near and to forgive us of those things. So be encouraged and uh, join me as I uh, close in prayer. Our great God and Father in heaven, you have blessed us richly with your saving grace. And you have supplied us with our saving faith, faith that we understand needs to grow and be in the process of growing, that our understanding of you and your love for us needs to increase, our understanding of your holy word needs to grow. Lord, cause our hearts to worship you in these ways of understanding you more and being in your word ever increasingly and worshiping you out of it. So work that our dependence here in, in this community would reflect our love for you and our dependence of you in our, our life that you would Help us with our unbelief. Help us in spite of our failures. We pray that we would be a people individually and also corporately who are helped and strengthened to know that you correctly and justly do all that you please. Change us, we pray, where we need to be adjusted Make us usable in your kingdom, Lord Jesus, and may it always be not to us, but to your glory. Guide us by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we transition now to taking the Lord's Supper, I want to invite the men to come forward and help with distributing the bread and the cup.